You Can Mentor is a network that equips and encourages mentors and mentoring leaders to love God, love others, and make disciples in their own community. Learn more at youcanmentor.com or follow us on social media. You Can Mentor. Mr. John Bernard has released a book entitled Mephibosheth, The Search for Identity, Purpose, and Community. It's an amazing book, and I know it will encourage you and your fellow mentors. While you're at it, pick up my book, You Can Mentor, How to Impact Your Community, Fulfill the Great Commission, and Break Generational Curses. You can find both of these resources on Amazon or on our website. Lastly, follow us on social media, listen to the podcast, and share everything you find valuable with your mentoring friends. We're here for you, and we want to add value in whatever way we can. Thank you so much. You can mentor. We here at You Can Mentor are toying around with the idea of having a mentoring gathering or conference where mentoring leaders can come, get encouraged and equipped as they lead their ministries. Our goal in this is to create a safe and fun environment where mentors can share stories of struggles and successes while bonding together with their mentoring team and other mentoring leaders all across the country. If you lead a team of mentors and are interested in learning more about this gathering, please reach out to us. We'd love to pick your brain on how to create a gathering that best serves you and your team. Since this is our first year doing it, we want as much input as possible to create the best experience as possible. Thanks, you can mentor. Mentoring leaders, are you looking for a place to discuss important mentoring issues with other people who are passionate about mentoring? If so, let me introduce You Can Mentor Learning Labs, a monthly call with other mentoring leaders to support each other as we lead mentoring organizations and other mentors. Each call will focus on a topic and allow you to share as well as hear from others on the struggles and successes they have had regarding this specific topic. To sign up, please reach out to Zach Garza at zach at youcanmentor.com or find us on social media. Thank you. Remember, you can mentor. Welcome, You Can Mentor listener. This is John, and today's episode is a Why I Mentor. And so please welcome with me, Deontay Garrett. Deontay, welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm sitting here in Waco. You, you're in Tyler. Is that right? Yes, sir. Deontay, you work with Mentoring Alliance there in Tyler. We've been fortunate enough to have a Mentoring Alliance employee these last few weeks with with having an interview. And so now I'm real jazzed about having this conversation with you as you are at Mentoring Alliance there at the, is it the headquarters basically in Tyler? Right. Yes, sir. East Texas. Yes, sir. Are you, a, are you a native Texan, Deontay? I am not. I am from Arkansas, the best state in America. There you go, man. I'm, I'm, I, I appreciate your energy. That's going to be really good. Are, are you a, a Razorback fan? Oddly, I'm not a huge Razorback fan. I, I actually just love Arkansas. All right. All right. Well, listen, Zach's going to be real excited that I knew the name of the Arkansas team. So that was maybe more for him than anything else. Listen, I know you do some really great work with Mentoring Alliance, and I'm excited to hear your story, Deontay. Man, let's start off at the beginning. Let's go back. Tell me, when in, in your life did mentoring, when did you take notice? When, when did someone begin to invest in your life? Yeah, so my father passed when I was a baby. So 
I mean, I'm sure people were investing in my life even when I was that young. I don't recall them, but um, obviously he invested in my life um, before he left us. And I was raised by a single mom, two older brothers and an older sister. So she taught us a lot, man, about just hard work, but definitely with limited resources. We, we struggled a lot, a lot of poverty situations, bounced around a lot, staying with different family members at times. I know what it's like to, you know, have your electricity cut off, have your water cut off, sleep on some floors, but... All that stuff wasn't really poverty to me at the time. It felt normal. Like that was just, you know, because we was always together mm -hmm. for the most part. And so kind of fast forward up to the age of 16, uh, my oldest brothers were out of the house. It was me, my mom and my sister. And uh, I guess at that time, I kind of felt like it was my time to be the man of the house kind of thing. And so uh, football became a huge thing for me. And I was building up, you know, a name for myself in the city. I'm from El Dorado, Arkansas specifically. And, you know, I go to my mom and I'm like, hey, what do I need to do to be the man of this house? And uh, she tells me one of the greatest things she's ever told me outside of I love you. Uh, she said, Deontay, I can't teach you how to be a man. Uh, she said I needed to find it somewhere else, you know, which was awesome. Very humbling of her. You know, she had taught us so many things, but still facing the reality that she wasn't a man. And there were certain things in this world a man needed to teach me, you know, and, and I don't even know if she understood the weight of what she said, because I wouldn't listen to other men at the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't listen to coaches well. I didn't listen to teachers. I didn't listen to pastors. There were men trying to invest into my life at that time. But because my mindset was always, you're not my daddy, don't talk to me. Even though my father was gone, I still had a daddy when I still longed for him. And so when she kind of released that thought, it was like, Deontay, I can't teach you how to be a man. You have to find somebody else. Mm -hmm. Then I was actually open to listening to other men in my life. And so at that time, me and a group of football players started attending a local church, Emmanuel Baptist, mainly every Wednesday night. And I tell people it was really for the free food. You sure. know, they got pizza and lasagna and all of that. So we was going. And, and so a group of men at that church started getting to know us. And they found out that many of us actually didn't have father figures. So a group of men there got together and decided that they would mentor and disciple us. And I love that because one of the things I do in my role is go out and recruit godly men and godly women to mentor. Okay. There was no mentoring alliance there. There was no big brother, big sister programs. This group of men just got together and saw the need in the community and like addressed it. I love that. And so it was at that time, a man named John Moore, he had heard about me. He was familiar with uh, what I was like football wise and small town football was a big deal. So mm -hmm. uh, he kind of had knew a little bit about me and he decided he would mentor and disciple me. So he came into my life, 16 year old. He's still in my life today. Uh, this weekend, I'll be going out to his lake house in Hot Springs. So he's considered grandparents to my baby boys. Uh, they oh, walked down great. the aisle at my wedding. So he began to come in my life and really just teach me how to be a man. So it was at, at age of 16 when I met John Moore and only up from there, I guess. And was he a church member at the church? That, he was. At, at Emmanuel? He was a member at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Okay. Oh, that's really great to hear. So this was an intentional ministry that the, that the church had, that they really wanted to point at young men. Sounds mm -hmm. like, right? Yes, sir. And yet it was it was church members that were doing the ministry. Yeah. That's remarkable. I asked him one day, I was like, did y'all have any like paperwork or <laughs> anything? Like he was like, nah, we just got together and, and said we was gonna do it. I just I was like, man, that's awesome. Yeah, right. I think that's yeah. a really wonderful reminder. I think sometimes, especially, you know, with us as being professional mentors or or in ministry, my background is in ministry as well. And it's just like we we can sometimes really kind of miss the opportunity to to take some of that momentum and really yeah. just start meeting need because we get so bogged down, right? In the policies and procedures and, you know, somebody wants to make some kind of a t-shirt graphic or whatever else, right? But instead, it's that, it's that reminder that so often, just a grassroots, you know what? Here's the need. Let's start spending time. Yeah. 
So Deontay, in mentioning John Moore as your mentor and doing this, doing really the work of, of investing in your life, you know, sometimes we have the challenge when we're talking to to mentors and about mentoring that people feel like they're just not qualified for it. Did you have any sense when you were, or has he told you since in that relationship that you guys have, did, did John feel pretty confident in his skills or in, in his ability to mentor you? Or did you ever sense, or did he mention that there was an apprehension to that? I, I don't know the direct answer to that because I never asked him that, that question. I do know he was raised right. Great father, great mother, just awesome, awesome man of God mm-hmm. before mentoring. I've just seen his work in, in so many things in that city and he's still doing great things today. So I think what it what it truly is, is, is as believers, we start getting a nudge to want to do more and go deeper and build relationship and really be who God has called us to be. And him stepping into my life really allowed him to do that in a great way. Because it didn't. It, it may have started with me, but it kept going after me. So that was really who he was. Um, mm, and, just an overflow and, of his character and personality. Overflow of his character, exactly. Um, and, and we went really deep. So from a mentee perspective, you know, for me, trying to build relationship with a man, I, I didn't know that relationship dynamic. I didn't know what that needed to look like. So it was slow. I was quiet at first. I was like reserved, you know, even sitting at their kitchen table, just watching and listening to how he spoke to his wife and how he disciplined his kids and, you know, how they prayed and, and, and everything was just new. So I'm just watching. And then as I spend more time with him, I get closer with him. It, it was one night I was dealing with a lot depression, a lot of stuff had happened that day. And I ended up calling him like one or two o'clock in the morning, but it blew my mind that he answered the phone. I don't even know if I told him what was going on, but he sat there and had a conversation with me that late at night. And that, that moment drove into me like, oh, this guy's for real. Like mm-hmm. he cares. And so I was all in from that point. And, and so we just built a relationship from the own then. And I wasn't perfect. I definitely wasn't a perfect mentee. Sure. me but he definitely can say consistent and showed up. So yeah. to me, he was awesome. I don't know how he felt, but from mm-hmm. my perspective, he was awesome. Well, listen, what I think is really great in that, in that moment that you shared is that, that that was kind of the, the moment that you knew that he was legit, right? And that he was really there for you. And so yeah. I'm sure that that went a long way, just kind of in your mind and heart, thinking that, okay, here's a guy that I can trust, right? Yeah, and yeah. so I think that's yeah. really important to note that oftentimes there will be that one circumstance that it kind of mm-hmm. hinges, you know? That, that your mentee's kind of waiting to see if you yeah, are the yeah. real deal or not. And then yeah. and then when you can be obedient or consistent with that, it kind of just opens up some more opportunity. You know, you mentioned that you're able to kind of see how he lives his life in his home with his family. Was that the setup where did you did you kind of go over to his house on a weekly basis or what did mentoring look like at the, at the beginning stages there? Sometimes I think the first thing we did was probably go to like Sonic. Okay. And, but then he, I would go to, I would go to football games with him. You know, I would go eat dinner with his family. I was still a part of Emmanuel Baptist Church, so if, if we were doing an event with the youth group, he was typically there. He was typically volunteering with the youth group anyway. So I was always around them in some form or fashion. Um, mm-hmm. But dinner is probably one of the staples, just eating at the table, him and his family. Yeah. Sure, sure. And did you guys just pretty much casual conversation? Was there ever kind of a, kind of a, like a Bible study situation? Would you pray together? Did you kind of learn anything, any of those disciplines or any of the, the ways in which we can kind of worship through John as well? Definitely always prayer, always church, going to church. He actually would have me speak to the younger guys. So he led a small Bible study. What's it called? Bible study or what's it called in the, the church class before Sunday? Sunday starts? school. Sunday school. Yeah. He led Sunday school. For, I believe the fifth and sixth or seventh, eighth graders. 
So he would let me like lead some of that. So he would give me those opportunities. I've always been a pretty gifted, gifted speaker. So he was giving me some of those opportunities initially, which at a very young age, I probably wasn't even mature at all at that point. But I do appreciate that because it kind of led to what I get to do now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that sounds great. So kind of take me to that next stage, Deontay. When did you maybe begin to think that that mentoring might be for you or that you wanted to begin to invest in the lives of others? Man, I so even around that time when I was 16, 17, 18, I was getting opportunities to uh, speak to youth in the city. I'm obviously working with the young man he would allow me to work with. Um, so that that kind of heart uh, for young people has always been there, I feel like. Um, I've always, I guess, rooted in my family, feeling like I, I wanted to do something for my family, but then it, it kind of exploding that to wanting to help people. And so I go to college, I go to Harding University, really chasing football at that point. But from there, I started going up to New York every spring break to do a mission trip. It, it was Timothy Hill Children's Ranch was where I was going. Um, a lot of those guys come from homelessness, coming out of jail, um, things like that. And so the first time I went up there, I'm like, wow, like blown away from like just the background stories that they were going through. Uh, a lot of abandonment, neglect in and out of jail, a lot of the gang type of stuff. And so then some of our stories were compatible. So a lot of those guys were looking up to me and I was just so amazed, but it was only a week. You mm-hmm. know, you know how spring break mission goes and you go back to school and I'm like, nah, man, that that felt like something I need to be doing. And so those experiences were really showing me what I wanted to do. I was also going to camp ministry, Kids Across America. Mr. Moore actually a connection with my mentor. His brother-in-law works at Kids Across America. So they connected me to go be a counselor there for one summer. And, and that's when I really start growing in my relationship with the Lord. In a deep way, I would say I, I viewed the Lord like a superhero almost. You know, he's way up there. We're here. But when I went to Kids Across America, which was a connection from my mentor, I sat around all these college guys who would talk about the Lord as if they had a relationship with him. And I realized I didn't view him that way. Like it was completely different. And so really went all in on the Lord that summer in my whole life trajectory, everything changed, the way I view things, the way I view people, his people, myself, my identity, really freeing myself of the daddy wounds out there at camp. Like a lot of stuff happened through Kids Across America, a lot of amazing men I met there. Ricky Jimerson being another guy that's super huge and impactful in my life to this day. I would say Mr. John Moore and Ricky Jimerson are the guys that really anchored me down to be a man of God. And I still follow them to this day. If I make any big decisions in my life, they get in the phone call. So I'm sure. That's what I would say. So going from there, I moved to New York after Harding. So after I graduated college, because I talked to the CEO at Timothy Hill Children's Ranch, and I was like, hey, I, I want to open a, a children's ranch in the South. And he was like, well, you need to come to New York if you want to do that. And I was like, well, shoot, I didn't want to come to New York, but mm-hmm. I chased it. And so I, I prayed about it, man. A lot of my family went on board. My wife's family wasn't on board. Like, we were fresh out of college. and like, man, we finna move to New York. So we went way up there with a Penske truck, $700 worth of gift cards. And it was just like, okay, Lord. <laughs> and Deontay, you're, so you're married already? You're married at this point? I am. So like right after college in that summer, I got married. Gabrielle Garrett is my wife, two beautiful boys, Joshua mm-hmm. and Judah. So beautiful family, but I'm married, go up there and just start living the dream. At Timothy Hill, I started working in the houses, working with these young men. I say living the dream, like this is tough <laughs> ministry. You know sure, what I'm saying? Like, sure. 
Yeah. So you work in the house with young guys that don't want to be there. They court mandated it. Yeah. I ran the workout program, man. But really just being there, God showed me exactly what my purpose was. And that was to help break the cycle of the father's home. Mm-hmm. And, and because my my whole goal in life to this day is to do that very thing, not to be a great to point them to their biological father, because some of these fathers aren't coming back, but to point all these young men to their father in heaven. I didn't have my biological father, you know, but what Mr. Moore did, what Ricky Jimerson did was point me to Christ. And so once we know who our true father is, then we can understand our identity and then we can really live out in that. And so that's that's been my goal, man, to help break that cycle. Right. So that really started up in New York. But all that was rooted in the fact that Mr. Moore came into my life. I had a lot of rough edges back then. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I get to a point where I can meet a Ricky Jimison and really listen to him Um, because he's he's a little bit more militant. You know, but I think Mr. Moore softened the edges, me being able to to listen and learn from him, helped me be able to listen and learn from Ricky Jimison and, and, and how they they don't they don't necessarily work together, but how they work together to really mold me into the man I am is really awesome for me to even view. So how they both were compatible in my life, me going to New York, moved from New York down to Tennessee, started a whole nother Timothy Hill Children's Ranch there, okay. working with more young men, loving on them, serving them, still the same goal, help break the cycle of the fatherless home. And from Tennessee, I came here. Gotcha. So I, I really left Timothy Hill because I felt like I needed to, that God needed me to transition into something else. I got with a judge in Tennessee. We started a one-on-one mentoring thing in Tennessee, but I didn't know anything like this existed. Uh, my grandmother was sick at the time. I grew up three hours from here in Elderado, Arkansas. So I, I did have a desire to be closer to home. And when they told me what the job was, Mr. Ricky Jimerson actually connected me to this job. And it was just telling me all about it and how he felt like it fit me. I uh, talked to my wife. When my wife said yes, felt like the Lord gave me approval as well. Uh, we got on and came on over here. And man, to this day, been one of the best decisions I've ever made. Man, I get to be myself. I thrive. And I get really just get to live out my mission. Our mission here is different from my personal mission, but it is all connected. Sure, you know. sure. Well, man, look, let's take me back just a little bit, though. You're in New York, you know, you're a newlywed. You're trying to figure out what it means to be a husband still at this time, right? And in some ways, you know, we still are, right? I've got That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but, but I'm curious, Deontay, when it, when it comes to, you know, being a part of that New York ministry, and it's a, it's a hard ministry, I know, that you're doing such good work. What, what were the keys to your remaining consistent and, and your, like, staying encouraged enough to continue to do that good work? And, and yeah. driving that? It's your why. It's your why. So I, I knew my goal is to help break the cycle of the father's home. So you're going to have days, have days where guys spit at me, kick me, cuss me out, threaten me. But the reality is that's that's their default. They don't know no better than that. Like And mm-hmm. so and at that time, I may be viewed as the enemy. But if I love them, love is a bird. It don't just go up and down and wane. Like, I, I tell them I love them. And so I'm going to show up. I'm going to be present. I'm going to stay consistent. I had a guy, I ran workout every morning at 6 a.m. So if I come in there rowdy, hype, they come in there not rowdy and hype, then we're going to clash at times. But I had a kid that would tell me every morning, F you, you're going to hell, I hate you. And if he became too disruptive, I would have to kick him out. And so I decided that I would stop kicking him out. And so we would have to deal with this. F you, you're going to hell, I hate you, da, da, da. And then I would meet with him afterwards and just say, like, man, what's going on? Why Why is this? Six months of this, same thing, every morning. And, man, it was one morning, we walking out. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and I'm like, what's up, man? What's up? Kevin was his name. He said, I said, Kevin. I love you, man. And he looked at me and he said, I love you too. Mm-hmm. 
six months. Just go. <laughs> it blew my mind. I was in tears. I'm like, man, what in the world just happened? Because he would tell me during the workout, F you. And I would yell back at him, I love you too. <laughs> Obviously, the guys in the room would be going crazy, laughing. They hyping it up, trying to end the workout. But that I just stopped kicking them out. I was just like, man, every time he said F me, I was like, I love you too. Yeah, but yeah. More than just that in the workout, I would follow up with him and see how we can mend this relationship. And just showing up with that, that gave me a lot of relationship equity with that guy. It was a lot of guys there. Once they find out you actually – care for them, they'll listen to you. They mm-hmm. don't care about your title. Man, listen, Deontay, this is so interesting because the the last episode that Zach and I recorded together, we were talking about how not to be offended all the time by your mentee. Oh. And, and you know, you you tell yeah. a story, I think, that, that just like dovetails with that so perfectly of that idea of yeah. you staying on purpose. I love how you put it. You, you, you stick to the why, right? You always remember. And yeah. the fact that you can always have that negativity be coming at you and it didn't wear you down. In fact, what you did in a way, you wore him down, right? With your consistency yeah. and with your love for him that yeah. eventually he just had enough, right? And said, okay, I'm going to be honest. I've seen you. I've seen your consistency. I've seen your care. Um, and, that, and that was the game changer. Man, that's a wonderful yeah. story. Hey, tell me a little yeah. bit about, you said, was it that you went to Tennessee and then mm-hmm. began a one-on-one program with a judge? What was that? So I, I went to Tennessee. The, the reason I went to Tennessee was to start another Timothy Hill, Trisons okay. Ranch. And so I did that. I ran that one for like two and a half years. Just felt called to to transition out of that ministry. Like I said, that's a tough work. Uh, I, I love and support everybody that does that. It's awesome work, but it's tough. 365, sure. those guys are there. You got to love them and stick through it. But we had we had just had Joshua, my firstborn, mm-hmm. and, and it was just a lot. And so just felt led to step away from that. But during that time... Hey, can I ask um, real quick, that organization, is it a is it a residency organization? Are you kind of it is. doing guy, like a house parent? Okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And so I met with this judge where I was living at in Tennessee, and he had a desire to do basically one-on-one mentoring. So we, it was grassroots. It was called the SOAR program. It is, it's still happening. It, it had got up to 10 mentors. I was one of the mentors there in the town, and we were meeting with kids at a school every morning from like, I think, 7 to 7.45. And then we were doing some outside stuff as well. But it had just like, it had been running maybe a few months before I got a call about this place. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. That's great stuff. You know, so that so that program then you're you're saying that that was kind of a before school. The kids would arrive early maybe to to meet with their mentor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. I'm always so interested, you know, you know, Deontay, mentoring means a lot of different things and it can look a lot of different ways. And so oh, yeah. my, you know, my goal with even this resource is to always just be showing our listeners that there's always a way to, there's, there's just no one way to do it, you know? Oh, so many different, a young, old, I believe we all should be mentee. Till I turn, however old I'm going to get, I'm going to consider myself a mentee and a mentor. We yes. should always be doing something like this, learning from somebody and giving it back to somebody else. Amen. Always. Oh, for sure. For sure. Okay. So now you're you're in Tyler, Texas. Mm-hmm. Tell me specifically, why don't you maybe start off with specific to Mentoring Alliance? Just tell us a little bit about the organization as a whole, the context of, of what mentoring looks like, and then what, what are your responsibilities? Uh, well, our mission is we, ex- we exist to mobilize godly people into the lives of kids and families to provide tangible help and eternal hope. If you think about Mentoring Alliance like an umbrella, there's three pillars of the programs. It's uh, a summer camp, after school and mentor connect our summer camp programs our after school programs operate inside the school district so we're partnering with several school districts we go into the school 
schools. If you come out and witness one of our summer camps, you probably blow your mind. You walk into a school and you see summer camp like mm-hmm. happening. You walk into an after school program, you hear about Jesus, you see them working with kids, homework. And so our after school is viewed as a, a safe place for a lot of families, a time for the kid to learn about the Lord, but also do homework and just be there with them while parents get other things done. Our summer camp program is full of faith, fun, academics. Uh, we, we've seen uh, the summer slide either stop or improve based off of test scores. So we have the data in the back, like what we're doing in these school districts is awesome. It blows my mind. I think it should be everywhere in the world. So I'm honored to be a part of that, but also super honored to lead the Mentor Connect program. When we go into churches, we recruit godly men and godly women. A mentor in our program is 18 and older. They have to be a part of the church and willing to meet with the kid two times a month. Our mentees are third through 10th grade guys or girls living in a single parent home are living with extended family or can be a part of an adoptive family. And our program is completely free for the families we serve. So a lot of what I get to do is managing that. I have a team of three mentor coaches, one mobilization coordinator. A lot of what I do is recruiting, going out to new churches, going out to some of our existing partners, meeting with them, taking care of some of our alumni mentors, um, and just spreading what we get to do, exposing the community to it. It's awesome. Excellent. Oh, that's so good. And recently, Mentoring Alliance is now in West Texas. Is that right? Midland? Uh, Abilene. Abilene. Thank you. Yeah. Man, so glad to hear that that just what you do and what the organization is all about, because again, it's important. And man, I'm always reminded of that. I don't know if you're familiar with the Mentoring Project. It was a nonprofit that was around just a few years ago. Um, I've watched some videos. (laughs) Yeah. And I just remember reading in their their handbook that they they printed, which was a really valuable resource. But they said, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to get a thousand people to meet up at the church and like spend one day raking people's yards than it is to get 10 mentors who will actually spend one day a week, you know, with a, with a kid mentoring. And it's like, that is so, so very true, right? This is, this is the act of farming. Investing in other people's lives is about Mm -hmm. just being that consistent, showing up daily, weekly, being there for them. And so unfortunately, I think think we got to, we got to understand the need for, you know, I, I, I found out that 18.4 million, and it's way more than that now, live without a father in the United States. 18.4, and that was as of like 2020 or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. There's no biological father, no stepfather, no adoptive father that are present in the home. You know, the stats say these kids are seven times more likely to become pregnant as teenagers, four times more likely to live in poverty, two times more likely to go to jail, two times more likely to drop out of school, like, and it goes on and on. Mm-hmm. So if we understand that some of these fathers are dead, some of them are in jail, and we know that some of them actively choose not to be there. And, and so what we need to do about that is godly people is step up and step into their lives for those of us that can to point them to our true father in heaven. They need to know who he is and see that lived out through somebody else. It's exposing them to truth. And so I, I think we all need to be doing that in some form or fashion if we have the ability to. Absolutely. Question, Deontay, do do the mentors in Mentoring Alliance who are a part of these after-school programs, do they do they actually get the opportunity to share their faith? I mean, are the schools pretty open to these volunteers being able to, to Yes, to yes. Share it's, faith? It's, it's like, there's nothing like illegal. It's after school. So not doing school time in summer camp, not doing school time. Right. One thing different about summer camp is the teachers actually come in and teach an hour of reading and an hour of math. Uh, and so that's why the, the stats and stuff go out the roof. But mm-hmm. yes, all of our, our after school part time staff get to share the gospel. All of our mentors are encouraged to share the gospel. This is what we get to do. Amazing. All right. So listen, if I'm in the Tyler area and I'm, you know, impacted by what you're sharing, these statistics are, are you know, very discouraging and they're very real. And it shows that we just 
continue to need more to step into the gap of, of mentoring. How do I, how do I reach out and how do I maybe find out more about Mentoring Alliance and being able to volunteer? Yeah, you can go to our website, thementoringalliance.com, T-H-E, mentoringalliance.com. Go over to that yellow connect tab that says Mentor Connect at the top right and click become a mentor. Or you can just look at our videos, look at our testimonials, check out our after school summer camp websites, have a lot of information on there. We're also at 1909 South Broadway. Got you. And my guess is that you guys also provide like training is that true for mentors who are coming in? So maybe maybe nobody has anything but just the desire, right? No experience, and they can, I'm sure, find out find a lot of resources. Absolutely. And, and so that's the purpose of our mentor coaches. What we consider a match is, is a mentor coach, uh, a mentor, a parent, a guardian, and the mentee. And so the mentor coach's job is really to be the glue of their relationship. They're monitoring the safety. They're making sure they're meeting, they're training and equipping that mentor. We do some front-end training. We do consistent training throughout the year. We connect with a lot of You Can Mentor podcasts and post them on our pages. We have You Can Mentor books. There's always information out there to grow and develop self, and we try to share that with our mentors as best we can. Mm-hmm. So, Deontay, mm-hmm. You know, again, I think you made a really valid point of saying that we're always needing to be mentees, no matter what, right? If we're even even if we're professional mentors, that we we realize that we never stop learning. And yep. even personally, you're in a season, you're still parenting, right? How old are your kids right now? Nineteen months and seven weeks. There you go. Okay, so you're right in the thick of it, my friend. I've got teenagers in my house, but you, you, my friend, that is the that is the pure parenting. So many needs. Listen, who's you know? Is it John? Is it Ricky? Who who's speaking into you know? Who's kind of helping you at this stage of what it means to be a, a husband and a dad at this time? I, I meet with Mr. Ricky actually every Friday at 9 a.m. We're going through Disciplines of a Godly Man, which is something he actually took me through when I was at summer camp with him, and I talked to Mr. Moore. It's more sporadic, but probably the same amount of time. Once a week or once a month, we texting about something. Obviously, I sent him all the pictures and all of that stuff. And so, and as I said, I'm going to his house in Hot Springs this weekend. So we're always connected. Man, I love that. I, you know, I think that's the dream. I think any of us in mentoring would say like, that's what what you've got is what we want, you know, to be yeah. on either side of that, right? Like uh, generational yeah. ministry in that way. So I was in youth ministry for a couple of decades and it's still just a joy, you know, to be able to talk to some of these now people in their 30s that I can can just see what God has done in their lives in such great ways. Yeah. Well, Deontay, you know, just before we we go and we wrap up our conversation today, what do you feel like, I just kind of want to focus on the listener, you know, whether they're thinking about doing some mentoring or they're, they're a seasoned mentor, you know, we, as I mentioned, we're always wanting to equip and encourage, and your experience and your insight has already been a real gift to listen to, but what would you maybe want to leave our listener with to maybe remember or to maybe think about, pray about as they as they consider what they're doing in their mentoring relationships. I would tell them that God is not calling you to be a superhero. He's calling you to be you, um, exactly who he created you to be. I mean, and he wants to use you to impact kids, impact families in your community. And so something I tell all of my mentors, I tell my team, I tell myself, how you dominate daily is show up, be present, and stay consistent. Show up, be present, and stay consistent. That's it. I love it. I love it. That is true. Show up. Be present and stay consistent. Get on my board. I'm seeing it, man. It's right behind you, right? (laughs) Write that on the wall. Write that on the wall. I'm going to cross-stitch that on a pillow. That's amazing.
Well, Deontay Garrett, thank you so much for sitting down today. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for sharing your testimony as well, because it shows us that God is good, right? And that He can be trusted. And you can see that in your life, that He has had some amazing people, family and mentors, really step up and, and just continue to provide in great ways. And I know that that's, that that's with that level of gratitude that you have in your heart for what God has done. I'm sure that's the well that you that you draw from and being so so healthy and, and a man of margin for for so many. So thank you for your work. Thank you for believing and mentoring. And I just personally am encouraged by your, by your story. And I hope that we have a chance to have another conversation sometime. We'd love to hear oh, yeah. your insight. And, and again, with what you do, love for you guys to maybe visit Waco sometime. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Plenty of reason to come down Mentor here. Mentor the last been Waco, so I'll be out there. Perfect. Perfect. Well, we'll, we'll have you a, a, as a com- with a conversation right here in the shop. Again, thank you so much. Blessings on you, your home, your, your ministry, and all at Mentoring Alliance there. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, listener, thank you so much for joining us today. We want to remind you one more time that you can mentor. <laughs>